You are listening to the Healthy Leader Podcast with Tracy Fisher, episode number 28. Welcome to the Healthy Leader Podcast, where it's all about optimizing your health, energy, and performance for your mind and your body. And now, your host, Master Coach Tracy Fisher. Hello there. I have a really big smile on my face right now because I just got done riding in the golf cart with my two puppies. <laughs> now, they're not really puppies anymore. They are over a year old, but we got them these super duper seat belts, if you will. They're just basically these huge harnesses, and we figured out how to secure them in the golf cart so that we can zoom around in the neighborhood and go on golf cart rides and they are riding with confidence. They lean out the quote unquote window. There's no window on the golf cart, but they love it. And so I was thinking as I just sat down here that my puppies are riding with confidence and I'm going to talk about communicating with confidence. And I'm really excited about this topic because We've been talking about confidence and resiliency and self-confidence and self-esteem and how to create that and sustain it in the Healthy Leader Inner Circle. And also the last two podcasts have been about that as well. And so if you haven't listened to those, I highly recommend that you go back because we are now going to talk about communicating with confidence. And the really interesting thing about this is that when we are talking about developing self-confidence and resiliency, that has everything to do with how you communicate with yourself, how you talk to yourself, your internal dialogue, your internal communication, and your internal voice. And so, of course, that voice, that internal dialogue is also an integral part of communicating with confidence to the world and how we can do that with confidence. So the reason that this is important for all of us is because one, it helps with our own self-confidence and the way that we communicate. It also improves our relationships, helps us to feel better. It reduces confrontation and drum roll. It saves a lot of time when we communicate concisely and confidently. So I want to start off by giving you a visualization for the concept of communication. And there are three main elements to this visualization. And the first one is a stick figure. And the stick figure is you. And you have a thought bubble over your head. And this first element of communication represents you and your intentions and your thoughts and your emotions and what you intend to convey. It's all within you and hasn't been expressed yet. And then the second element is another stick figure. And this stick figure also has a thought bubble over their head. And that stick figure represents the person or community or team that you are communicating with. And they also have their own thoughts and their own intentions and their own background and their way of interpreting. And so that second element is all about them. And then the third element we'd like for you to visualize is a bridge. And this is what I call the communication bridge. And marching across this bridge are your words, your intonation, your texts, your voice memos, your written emails, your PowerPoints, the physical manifestation of your intention. And they go across this bridge. 
this communication bridge. So that is the visualization that I want you to keep in mind as you think about communication. Now, I get that it can seem a little elementary, but I like it that way because it helps us to clarify the three main components of communication and to understand that there are three distinct components. There is the person who is speaking and what they are trying to convey, and then there's the actual manifestation and how they are conveying it, and then there's the third element of the person who's receiving it and their background. And so we have to be aware aware of all three of those components if we want to speak with confidence. And one of the key components of speaking with confidence is being very clear about what it is that we want to communicate. And interestingly, when we are in a professional setting and we are presenting or giving new information, most of us are really good at doing that. We understand that there's something that needs to be conveyed and we are very precise in the way that we are conveying it. The interesting thing is that when we are in what I call intimate relationships, we are sometimes not as good at being clear, which I think is fascinating. And when I say intimate, I am talking for sure about our most intimate relationships with our spouses and our partners and with our families and our children and our loved ones. But I'm also talking about those intimate relationships that we have with people at our work, who we see day in and day out, or people that we email with consistently. And what ends up happening is that we end up creating this shorthand. And we are assuming that people understand what it is that we are saying. And so when we are communicating in our intimate relationships, we also want to be very clear. And I just had a great example of this when I was working with a couple. And they were talking about discrepancies within their relationships and why things were not working. And when we got down to it, we zeroed in on communication and their conversations and this shorthand and how they were not being clear and concise with one another. And one of the examples was that she was saying, listen, I asked him to take the garbage out just today and he didn't do it. And I had to run out there when the garbage men came and, and bring out the garbage. And he was like, wait, when you said the garbage needs to go out, I thought you meant the garbage in the house. Not only did I empty the kitchen garbage, but I emptied every single garbage can in the house and I took it all out to the garage. And there was just like this aha moment when they realized that when she said the garbage needs to go out and he said, I'll take care of it. That there was a discrepancy. It wasn't clear. And we went on to discuss other discrepancies that had to do with paying the bills and other things that they thought that they were communicating to one another and they truly weren't. So stopping and being clear and concise, especially in those intimate relationships, is really important. And it's especially important nowadays when the pace of life seems to be so fast. We think that people are understanding us. And now that we have so many different ways of communicating, that it makes it even more difficult to be clear. I was just <laughs> thinking about this in terms of that little acronym, LOL. <laughs> now, I always think that that means laugh out loud. And I've realized now that it can mean so many things to different people. It can for sure mean, hey, that's so funny. You made me laugh out loud. Or it can also mean I'm laughing out loud because you're so dumb or what you said was dumb. Or LOL, I can't really tell 
if we're kidding anymore with one another. And then it also can mean lots of love. So we've created this shorthand with acronyms and with emojis and with communication and with the way that we are speaking with one another. So first and foremost, we want to be clear about what it is that we are saying, that we are literally speaking out loud what it is that we intend. And a part B to this has to do with really saying what we mean. And we have this 3C process, this communication process that we use in the Healthy Leader Inner Circle. And one of those C's stands for connecting. And the first part of connecting is really connecting with ourselves and knowing what it is that we want to say so that we can communicate clearly, so that we truly can say what it is that we mean. Now, sometimes this is easier said than done, especially when you are in a leadership position and someone's asking you for your time and you know that it's important to give them your time and your calendar's already packed. You want to give them the time. And in the back of your mind, you know that that means that you're going to have to work late. Maybe you're going to have to sleep a little bit less or compromise time with your family or fill in the blank. So right there in the moment, it's much easier to just say yes and deal with the repercussions later. It is much more difficult to figure out what you really mean and what you want to say and to articulate it. To say, I have to tell you that I really want to meet with you. And as much as I want to do that and discuss this with you, my schedule right now does not allow for it. So what I would like to do instead is, and then strategize something. Perhaps it's to meet with a group of team members all at the same time, once a week or once a month, or to ask them to meet with someone else. To be able to do that in the moment when you're just used to saying yes takes slowing down and connecting to yourself and understanding what it is that you need to say. And in order to say that, you have to know what it is that you mean. This is especially important in relationships that you've had for a really long time. We, myself included, think that the other person knows what we mean. And this goes beyond just taking out the garbage or understanding the specifics in terms of our requests. It also has to do with literally what we're saying. I was just talking with with a friend of mine who had a birthday and she said to her husband, oh no, it's totally fine. You don't need to get me anything. But what she was really thinking is, you don't have to get me something really expensive, (laughs) but you better at least give me some flowers and take me out to dinner. (laughs) So she certainly was not saying what she meant. And I think that we often do that because we hope that people will understand our underlying meaning or we'll even say something sarcastic or flippant, hoping that they will hear the sarcasm. And I have to tell you that I am really good at this and I've practiced quite a bit at being clear on my communication. And I was also witnessing this with the team that I was just working with. And I heard this common phrase, and that was, workplace meetings are a waste of time. And when we started talking about that and diving into what that really meant for individuals, what we really came to was that what they meant to say was, 
this information that is conveyed in meetings can be provided in a much better and more efficient way that saves time and doesn't confuse us. That's much more clear and concise. I also heard, I do all the work, but they get all the credit. And when we cleared it up, what they wanted to say is, I've noticed that my peers get recognized more than I do. I need to know if I'm doing something wrong. Would you please provide feedback so I know what I can do about it? Now that is concise and precise, and it also sounds extremely confident. And so the first part of this is about being honest with yourself and the other person and actually saying out loud what it is that you want and what it is that you need. Now, (laughs) that's not always an easy thing to do. And so I want to share with you a communication process called nonviolent communication that was created by Marshall Rosenberg in the 1960s, late 60s, early 70s. And I know that that's kind of a strange title. And at first I was like, can't they think of a better title than nonviolent communication? But now I really like it. And I'll tell you why. When I think of violence, I'm thinking about physical confrontation. And boy, have we seen a lot of that, both internationally, nationally, and then also within our own world. And where does that violence start? Where does that physical confrontation start? It starts with words, with violent words, with fighting words, if you will. And where do those words come from? They come from us and how we are feeling and what we're thinking about certain situations. And all we have to do right now is spend a little bit of time on Reddit or social media or watching the news to witness violent communication. And unfortunately, oftentimes all we have to do is listen to ourselves and the words that are coming out of our mouths in the office, in our own homes, and what we are saying to one another and to the people that we love to see violent communication. And so I think Rosenberg had it exactly right when he called this communication process nonviolent communication. And that doesn't mean that we are threatening violence to other people. It just means that what is coming out of our mouths is not compassionate. It's not grounded in our values. And so nonviolent communication is totally aptly named, and it is a model for expressing compassion. It's a methodology for expressing empathy, which is a critical tool for leadership and for self-leadership and for us ourselves to experience compassion in our own bodies. Now, I first learned about nonviolent communication when I was going through my wellness coaching certification. And it came in the module of core coaching skills. And the idea is that when you create an empathetic connection with someone, then they are much more willing and able to acknowledge their own feelings and their own needs. And then that leads to a deeper awareness within them and also a deeper connection between you and the coaching client. And once that's accomplished, there's no limit to the constructive actions 
that somebody can take and the behavior changes that they can make. And that's not just true for a coaching and client relationship. That's true in all relationships, in spouse to spouse and parent to child, colleague to colleague. And here is the drum roll moment also in your relationship with yourself. And so I want to share this nonviolent communication model with you so you can see the power of self-confidence and knowing yourself and all of that's related to resiliency and self-esteem and curiosity and the relationship that you have with yourself and how that is the foundation for creating confident communication with others. So the first step is to make observations, not evaluations. And so the idea here is very much like the X and the exterior model, which is that we want you to just identify the facts. And those facts basically are perceived by your five senses, which you can see, which you can hear, taste, smell, and touch at specific times and in specific places. And when we do that, we are basically reducing our tendency to exaggerate or to generalize or catastrophize or make assumptions or to criticize. And so an example of this for ourselves would be instead of saying, I failed to exercise last week, which is an evaluation, you would say, I went to the gym one time last week. So that's the first piece to express an observation or identify just the facts and not go into evaluations. And then the second piece to his model, which I really love, (laughs) is understanding emotions and really being able to differentiate between our emotions and our thoughts. And I'll tell you, this is a big deal in terms of self-coaching. Often I'll have people say to me, you know what, I'm not really sure if this is a thought or an emotion. And if that's you, you are certainly not alone. I want you to be on the lookout for sentences that start with, I feel. Because oftentimes we say something like, I feel like my boss is controlling. I feel like a failure. I feel like I am not up to par. And even though those are grammatically correct, they're not accurate. Basically, they are faux feelings. Those are thoughts that are masquerading as feelings. And so we want to understand the difference between emotions and our thoughts. And then that brings us to the third concept in nonviolent communication, which is to make sure that you are identifying your needs and not strategies. Now, there is a distinction between human universal needs and needs are more than things that we can't live without. They basically represent our desires and our preferences and our wants, and they're linked to our vision and our values and having meaningful experiences as human beings. And although we all have differing needs and differing amounts at different times, they basically are universal for all of us. The need for safety and love and connection. All of those are universal. And so we want to get to those needs 
versus strategizing. And that would look like, I need for you to stop doing that. I need to work with you every day on this. I need to get going on the project, right? Those are strategies that we have for meeting our needs. And so the way that I use this with the work that I do with people is to say, identify your thoughts, the core thought that connects to what it is that you want, that connects to your universal need, that connects to your vision. And then that brings us to the fourth piece of Rosenberg's model. And this has to do with how we communicate. And the fourth step is to make requests instead of making a demand. And this is basically the bridge. He is addressing a tactic or a technique for crossing that bridge, and that is to make a request. Now, we've already talked about the tactics of being clear and not using shorthand and understanding what you mean so that you know what you're going to say when you cross over that bridge. And Rosenberg really focuses here on how we make requests of other people. And I love this aspect of the nonviolent communication and way to communicate because the idea here is that we are clearly aware of the third element, of the third person. We're aware of the person that we're speaking to and how what we are saying might be received. And when we make requests, it sounds like, would you be willing to tell me what you heard me say? Or what agreements would you be willing to make in regards to this particular project? And we are specifically bringing them into your communication and connecting directly with them. So that's it. That is the model for communicating effectively. If you have the visualization of communication in your mind and you are aware of it and you're aware of those components of nonviolent communication, then you can communicate confidently in any scenario. And just like they say about Rosenberg's model, you can learn this very quickly within minutes and it takes a lifetime to master. It takes practice. It takes a lot of energy to, in the midst of conversations, especially difficult conversations and chaos and life and the running dialogue of so many things that we have to get done, to slow it all down and to think about our communication in this very precise way. And I want to share with you in closing a story that came back to my mind in terms of my two sons and how we practiced communication. <laughs> and really, I should say how they practice communicating with one another. Now, my two beautiful, strong, very capable young adults right now used to use a lot of violent communication. They are 14 months apart, Reese and Kyle, and I remember that when they were young, there was quite a bit of violent communication and, and violence. And so one of the things that I would have them do when they would be violent is to practice a talk 
This is how we talk with one another. And we had a specific methodology for doing that. Now, at the time, I must have read a parenting book on reflective listening or communication. I didn't realize what I was doing, but I really was teaching them nonviolent communication. And this is what we would do. I would say, hey, listen, if you're going to come to me or I hear you fighting, we're going to have a talk. And this is what that meant. It meant that one of them would hold an item in their hand, let's say a teddy bear. Let's say that Reese is holding the teddy bear and he tells his story of what is going on. So he'd say, hey, I want to finish building the train set and you said you were going to help and then you left and you started playing with Joelle and Reese was allowed to talk as long as he wanted to and when he was done, he would say, okay, I'm done. And then he would hold on to the teddy bear and Kyle would have to repeat back what Reese said. He'd have to say, you wanted to build the train, and then I left, and then you said you were sad, and I was playing with Joelle, and you wanted me to stay. And it wasn't until he got the words right that he understood Reese completely that Reese would give him the teddy bear. And then it would be Kyle's turn, and he would be able to say whatever it is that he wanted to say. And then Reese would have to repeat back what Kyle would say. And at first, this was pretty cool, because they were allowed to talk without being interrupted. And then eventually, after we did this a couple of times, you can imagine it became excruciating, (laughs) because it takes a lot of energy to listen and to repeat back and to get it right. So... What often ended up happening is that they would either get really good at the talk or they would talk it out themselves and not involve me at all, which is great. And that was the point. It would slow them down. And that is very often what we need to do as adults. And we have a lot of opportunity to practice communicating. We do it every day, all day long. And so remember the visualization of communication and those three main elements. And remember that you are the first main element. That first stick figure, that's you. Witness yourself. Use nonviolent communication and those four steps to notice if you are one, jumping to conclusions and judgments and evaluations, or if you are backing up and making observations. Notice too how you are feeling and what your emotions are and how they are connected to three, your needs and your thoughts and your beliefs and what you are making things mean. And when you are able to do that, then you can cross that communication bridge. And you can do it concisely and precisely. And you do it with four requests, honest requests, with an understanding of the other person, of that other stick figure, of the team, of your audience, of your partner, of your child. And when you are able to see communication like that, then you will be confident. And here is the really cool part. If you say something that is interpreted in a way that you didn't mean, or even if you say something that is factually inaccurate, 
When you are focused on communicating with confidence and truly understanding this process of communication, it is way less about you and more about the communication and the curiosity around communicating effectively and getting the job done, whatever that is. So I invite you to pay attention to those three elements of communication and to notice if your communication is violent or if it is nonviolent and full of compassion and curiosity and clarity and confidence. So let's do that together because I am practicing right along with you. So thank you for your time. Let's go forth and create confident communication together. Hey there, if you are ready to take your well-beingness to the next level, come visit thewellness.coach where I've got lots of free resources. And make sure that you type in thewellness.coach, not .com, and I will see you there.